the bonfires of social enterprise with Detroit-based Rami Gingrass of Gingrass Global. This is Rami. I'm here uh, with Kimberly Watts from Owen and Abby. I'm wanting to interview Kimberly for a while. She's doing some of the most amazing reclamation with wood from the city of Detroit and some other urban areas today. We get to hear all about Owen and Abby, what she's making and what her visions are. We're actually sitting at one of your tables in yes. your kitchen yes. that you've made. This is where it all started. Yeah, so tell us about Owen and Abby. Uh, Owen and Abby is a company that I started after, I guess, solving a problem for myself. I had uh, recently gotten divorced. I'd moved into this house I was trying to refurnish, and I had seen a barnwood table in a local store that I just adored. And I was working with the shop owner and trying to um, customize a size and get it to fit for the space. And she wasn't as helpful as I would have maybe liked. And um, I needed specific legs to get over here in this corner with a banquette, and she didn't have that style. And so I gave her a few suggestions of this is the type of thing I would like. She was both a furniture maker and a furniture seller and thought she might have a good source. And the response was, well, you seem to know what you want. And I thought, well, okay, who else can I buy a table from? <laughs> and who wants to be a little more service-oriented? And I started doing some research and looking for reclaimed barnwood and ran across Reclaim Detroit. And Reclaim Detroit is doing is a nonprofit in the city of Detroit doing deconstruction of abandoned homes. And they're taking the structural lumber that they can salvage, denailing, um, making sure it's safe, doesn't have any pests, um, any kind of asbestos. They're doing the testing and they're doing job training with it. So they are providing jobs in the city. They're giving people real skills in construction and deconstruction. And I called and said, do you guys make tables? And they said, at the time, they're fairly young. I think they're about three years old now. So this was a year and a half, two years ago. I said, no. I said, well, do you sell wood? Sure. So I went in, talked to the guys in the shop, told them what I wanted to do. They thought it was a cool project and making a table. We picked out some boards. They lightly milled them for me. One of the guys in the shop actually lived close to the neighborhood, so he delivered them in his car one day to me. Cool. Um, <laughs> which is great. I've got a little car. I wasn't sure how I was going to get him here. And, and away I went, and I made a tabletop. You know, I'm just sitting here thinking, I'm, I got my elbows on the table, I'm looking at you and thinking, how did you start to learn how to work with wood? Did you, how, like, how do you even know what tools Osmosis. to <laughs> That's what I'm going to, I learned by osmosis. That's, that's what I'm going to go with. My dad was always very handy. Oh. Um, always had a tool shop, built additions on houses we'd lived in, was always making things. Um, Nothing large scale, not big furniture, but more decorative type pieces, and, and he was always into that. My ex-husband had a tool shop that really started because of me and my dad. Oh. I was in Rockler buying my dad something for Christmas, and my ex-husband was looking bored, and I gave him a book. He was complaining about the house that we'd moved into not having storage, and I saw a book that was 101 storage solutions. I was like, you don't like it, fix it. Yeah. Like, start making something, make yourself useful, build something. You know? um, and that was just the environment I came from. My dad was always making something or fixing something. I was never in the shop with them and I wasn't in the shop with my ex, but I paid attention, right? So I knew what they were talking about 
I knew oh. when the birthday and Christmas list came up what they were asking for. I knew what they'd tried that worked and didn't work. And uh, and then with, you know, gosh, with the internet, now you can research. Right. Till the cows come home. Right. <laughs> really, right. I mean, you can just get sometimes over-research. But I started the business with, with some pretty basic tools. Circular saw and a drill is how the... I started with the tables, and I can still do them that way. Some it's, sandpaper, maybe? It, and some sandpaper. <laughs> that, and that was elbow grease. I didn't even have a, a power sander. That It's pure hand sanding and hand-rubbed finishes, um, which is very therapeutic. Yeah, it right. Really, it really is. And so I was able to get into the business at low cost. Is the other beauty of this is that I've been able to build it as I go, and there's not a big right. upfront infusion of cash to get started I can build on order I can build my inventory as I sell it I don't have to warehouse things I don't have to stockpile things and I did not have to have a big investment in tools and I've been pretty frugal up to this point even there's lots of great used tools out there people try something and then don't like it or they upgrade a tool or they're having an estate sale that somebody else had a tool and that's how I've picked up some other things table saws and drill presses and some other stuff along the the way but I bought this drill press and then realized I knew nothing about drill presses. <laughs> and it had, you know, dual speed and, and it had belts. And what do I do with those? Well, yeah, Google it. And there's tons of YouTube videos. And I sat down one afternoon and watched through some videos and make sure I understood the safety of it and how to use it and what speed for what hardness of wood and what does what. And yeah. And I'm pretty fearless. So. Um, cautious, they're power tools, they can be dangerous, and I don't want to hurt myself, but fearless, because what's the worst thing that's going to happen? I'm going to throw a hole in a block of wood, and it's not going to be the right hole. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> what a great do-it-yourselfer story, so, right, from so, learning how to and do it. And stubbornness probably plays into that. I can do it. You yeah. Know, I can do it. I get that. I'm with you. I'm the same way. Yeah. I'll figure this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is kind of fun to be a a female in the business because yeah, uh, people don't expect right. necessarily that I'm wielding wood and right. playing with power tools. And right. <laughs> it's right. non-traditional, but right. not the only one out there, but it's that's definitely right. not that's the That's very norm. cool. Mm. This is now reminding me of something that we talked about earlier. I, we were talking about what makes Owen and Abby's products unique, and we were talking about since these the wood really comes from a, a home usually mm-hmm. or a location that mm-hmm. you don't put the address on them. Um, and there's kind of a hot trend right now. People want something from Detroit. Um, I have had requests from customers. Uh, some of my competitors, or I don't even call them competitors because there's plenty of room for us. Some of the other folks doing similar things are stamping addresses on the, the wood. To me, the address addresses give a clue to people and tell you something about somebody, for better or for worse. So if you have an address on uh, Grand Boulevard in Detroit or Once Upon a Time in Grand Boulevard, it would have been a pretty posh place to be. And then there are other addresses in Detroit that would would not have been. The piece of wood that you're leaning on could have come out of a house in either one of those locations. And by putting an address on it, you're you're telling somebody something about it, and I'd rather I'd rather it be about what that wood could be 
than what it was. All of this wood likely came from the, the forest in northern Michigan 120 years ago. Right. Big old spruce trees, pine trees. Uh, Michigan was a foresting state where a lot of our money came from. The, the you know Whitney Mansion downtown is a lumber baron's house. So it, lumber was a big business. And so most of the wood was local, which I love putting back into homes again. But a, a tree could have been felled cut up into boards. Some of those boards could have gone to a pasha dress. Some of them could have gone to a humble home. The boards served the same purpose. They held up that house. Mm. They, regardless of the address, they were the same inside. And, and uh, there's beauty and strength in those boards, regardless of the address. And that's important to me, that it's not about where it came from. Although history is good and people love Detroit history right now. But where, you know, what can it become? And in the same vein, we do the same thing with people. We look at people and we make judgments based on where, where their address is, where do they live, and you make some assumptions, or how are they dressed, or what right. do they look like. And I would like to, to not focus on those things and instead think about opportunities. I've always loved art and design and been around art and design in my career, and I kept thinking about it. How would I make a business out of that? Is there a business there? Is there a market for it? Um, do I have the skills needed to do that? And then the petrifying part of that of, do, do I have what it takes to be an entrepreneur and not rely on somebody else for employment? And, and I had a full-time job. So I really just kind of put it on the, the back burner, but I kept thinking about it. And um, a business plan competition came up for social entrepreneurs in Michigan, the Michigan uh, Social Entrepreneur Challenge um, last year, last spring. And I had been thinking about it, so I thought, well, I, it, I, I'm deadline-driven, so I needed that deadline to sit down and write a business plan. Um, before then, it was just thoughts in my head, and so that really forced me into it. And I really didn't think I was ready. I didn't have answers to some of the questions in the plan. I didn't know all the marketing numbers. I still don't. Um, I, I didn't have a sense of how large the, the business could be. There were a lot of questions I didn't have answered, but it really forced me to at least take a step and do something with it and not just think about it. Right. And that's how we met, right? Yeah, that is then how we that met. Kind of, yeah, that's yes. right, through that challenge. Yeah, so uh, I, I didn't get into the top group of fellowship folks that got some uh, really intense training and opportunities to pitch their businesses, but I did get to meet you and yeah. some other <laughs> uh, great resources through the competition, and that really validated the idea that I had something, that there were other people that read the plan, even with some holes, and said, this is worthy. This is, this is worthwhile. You yeah. need to explore it. Um, and then my employment situation changed and I lost my job. And the excuses that I'd had of not having enough time to put into the business were suddenly gone. <laughs> <laughs> so I couldn't tell myself anymore, well, I don't have time to build that or I don't have time to look at, uh, you know, a website or to think about marketing or any of that. I, I had all the time in the world. And so I just threw myself into it. And I'm probably an introvert by nature. And so some of that networking is petrifying for me. It's, it's draining. It's exhausting. But it's exhilarating at the same time. So I love 
what I'm doing. I love talking about it. I love making things. The cool name, Owen and Abby, how did that come about? Owen and Abby was an, an 11th hour decision or, you know, I was getting ready to send that business plan into the Michigan Social Entrepreneur Challenge. And I'd, I'd had several iterations of names and I wanted it to be about more the heart of the home than wood. So I was looking at names and I was looking at competition and lots of people using Reclaim Lumber have some kind of wood something in their name. And I thought about that, but either things that I liked were already taken or close to, or I didn't want to be limited by just wood. To me, this was always about, you know, the table is the heart of the home. It's where people gather. It's where Mm. um, you have those memories from sitting at the table with family or having Mm. a dinner, entertaining friends. And so I wanted it to be about that. And I just, not, nothing was sticking. And it really was a last minute decision. I had always had in my head the names Owen and Abby, if I ever had children. And, and I, that didn't happen in my life, but I always loved the names. And the names are family names. So um, they come from my mom's maiden name and my paternal grandmother's maiden name. Love it. And they were the, you know, they're, they're strong women that maybe weren't, weren't flashy, weren't boisterous, weren't the life of the party, but held it all together, you know, did the hard work, made sure we got fed and clothed and things were taken <laughs> care of, and kind of that behind the scenes, holding everything together and holding yeah. everything up. And it, it just it just clicked. I mean, then that's sometimes the way it happens. You think and think and think, and you just right. stop thinking for a moment, and all of a sudden, wow, well, it was right there. Um, right. What could Owen and Abby look like, uh, both in terms of products and social mission? Mm. I have thought about it um, and have a pretty audacious thought that there there should be at least one Owen and Abby outlet in every urban area. Yeah. Um, and by that, I, I have a very clear vision in my head what it is. It's not just a production studio where we're making things, but that production studio is, a, is attached to a retail space. And so um, the women that are working for Owen and Abby will get to make things, but they'll also get to interact with customers and have that skill set. There may be some guest artists or other um, social entrepreneurs or or makers who are featured in the store. So there's a retail store, there's a production space, there's employment, and it can happen anywhere there is unemployment, blight, and deconstruction. So there will be an Owen and Abbey in multiple locations in Detroit and Pontiac and Metropolitan Detroit in in Chicago, New York and Baltimore and Cleveland and LA. It could be worldwide, but I I I can see it. Yeah. And I'm a ways from that right now. Um, but that's what I would like. And, and I would like it to be that kind of place where um, people stop in in the neighborhood to see what's going on, to see what new things we're coming up with, to see yeah. who the guest artists are, to check in on the women who are working, and that it be that kind of place. But that it also sell high-quality products that people love, and want and everybody can make a a happy living doing it yeah yeah. I love it it's Mm -hmm. 
you think about the timing of this idea that you've got, Kimberly, that you've started here. Even 10 years ago, the timing wouldn't have been right. It wouldn't have been. It literally is, especially for this uh, area we live in and this time in history, it literally is positioned now for this. Mm -hmm. And all of your experience leading up to this is all come into the right timing. It really is. It's... um I'm very fortunate. I've, I've had an interesting career. I started in the hotel business, did that for many years, and then I transitioned into the nonprofit world and have uh, done fundraising for universities and art schools and art museums and science museums and cultural institutions. And so I've been around the fundraising world. And I think that's probably where I really gained that appreciation for having some social mission. But having had a business background, I always felt like nonprofits. Nonprofit is is just a tax category. It doesn't mean you can't make money. And right. the more money you make, the more people you can serve, which is sometimes forgotten in the nonprofit world or not looked right. at that way. So I wanted to bring the, the business skills and the nonprofit skills together and then my love of making and design. Um, this really, it's a good combination of things, I think, yeah. for me. And I'm not a Detroiter. I'm not from here. Um moved here for a past relationship and I had several people ask me why I stayed you know okay now's the time are you going to leave and um, now is the time for Detroit as you said it 10 years ago if I had been in the same situation Owen and Abby wouldn't exist and I probably would be living in a different state it it would just um, but the there's so much interesting work going on and and it's collaborative for the most part um all the entrepreneurs in the city are really trying to work together to make it a better place for everybody. That it's not, well, I want this in my little corner of the world and your competition and you're over in your little corner of the world. But when it when I go to these uh, pop-up shops or I'm involved with Build and alumni or even just networking other things, it's, you know who you should talk to? You guys are doing this. It would be a compliment. Or what could we do together that might fit? Um, it, it's just, a, it's a really interesting time. And it's, it kind of back to that, you get forced into it. I think Detroit got to a point where it's gotten forced into it. And yeah. if we were at the top of our game, so a lot of the stuff that's happening, the really cool stuff that's happening wouldn't be happening. Yeah, I agree. It, it just, it is so collaborative. It is so collaborative to see two people sitting together. Almost everywhere I go, I find idea ideation mm-hmm. happening at every coffee mm-hmm. shop, every table. Everybody's open to doing it together instead of mm-hmm. me versus you. It's a me with you and oh, let's mm-hmm. take him along too. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. kind of that mm-hmm. that ad, that uh, attitude and it that brings an element of community and you feel mm-hmm. a sense of belonging together. Yeah. I feel well. I should I should wrap it up. I could talk to you for a long time. <laughs> How would they reach you uh, on maybe your website or social media? Oh, website. Website's one of those things I'm still working on because that's an area that I'm not an expert <laughs> in at all. So I, I own the site. But um, find me on Facebook, Owen and Abby, or um, I do have an Etsy store. So Owen and Abby on Etsy as well. And look for news for a website in the next couple of months. Okay, great. <laughs> so, but you'll probably announce it on your Facebook site. I will. So is I it will. Owen, O-W-E-N, and an and sign, or is no. it spelled out? It is spelled out. The, okay. the company name has an and sign, but okay. for all the social media, it is Owen and Abby spelled out. O-W-E-N-A-N-D-A-B-B-E-Y. E-Y. E-Y. Okay. Um, and Twitter as well. 
Same Twitter address, Owen yep. and Abby. Yes. All right. Well, thank you At so much. For really <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back to check on you. Everyone go check out our Facebook page and check out these amazing cool tables. They're really beautiful. It feels very homey and cozy here. Thank you. I want Good. to sit here and read a book. Good. The Bonfires of Social Enterprise podcast can be downloaded from iTunes, listened to on TuneIn, and select episodes are now available via prx.org or the Public Radio Exchange, which is an award-winning public media company. For more information and to directly download episodes on your desktop, please visit bonfiresofsocialenterprise.com and find us on Twitter at Bonfires Podcast and Facebook, Bonfires of Social Enterprise. If you have time, please fill out the survey that we have on the website. It'll help us do what all social enterprises need to do, which is gather data from our listeners so that we can be better servants. I'm Rami, and I want to personally thank you for listening and sharing. Music by Dan Castle and Thomas Rojo. Portions of this podcast have been provided by Rami Jingress and are copywritten 2015 Jingress Global LLC and are disseminated by Flatlands Avenue Productions by exclusive arrangement with Jingrass Global LLC.